2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19. The beauty of Israel is slain upon the high places, upon thy high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath, publish it not in the streets of Ascalon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. You mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away, the shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet, with other delights, who put on ornaments of gold upon your apparel. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? O Jonathan, thou was slain in thine high places. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. How are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perished. So I suppose you recognize a phrase that is quite uh, outstanding to me. Three times in the few verses we read, how are the mighty fallen? You know, as we tried to think about David on Wednesday night, What a mighty man that he was. But here's a mighty man as well. A mighty man and a son. But you know, that's not not all. There's been many of the mighty fallen. And I'd like to just think about this. I believe you could notice in, uh, in each of these places, it says this, How? You see that? How are the mighty fallen? What's the means? What's the means of the mighty falling? And that word mighty, I believe that it means this. I believe that it can mean the strong, the great, the heroes, the exalted, those that are elevated, those that have been raised up, those in power. But I'd like to just think about this. You just, just in your mind, go with me. How about the first man? Was he a great man? Was he a mighty man? Was he an exalted man? He was, he was made in the likeness of God. That man fell. We've got a man here named Saul. How are the mighty fallen? We've got a man named David who fell. We've got a man named Solomon who fell. We've got a man named Samson, the strongest man, the first man, the wisest man. 
the man after God's own heart. We've got a man named Peter who fell. We've got a man named Demas who fell. How are the mighty fallen? I believe this, and you know, you might disagree, but I believe you could say this, that every one of them fell from within. It wasn't the Philistines. It wasn't the Romans. It wasn't an outward enemy. Every one fell from within. I believe we could go farther. I believe that we could say that everyone fell by the lust. And I don't mean that always in a sexual manner but by the lust, by the desire of what is within man, by the lust and the desire that comes from without, the heart and what's in man. I believe that everyone, and you know, I, I, whether it be Adam, Saul, David, Samson, Peter, Demas, Solomon, whoever it be, my fall and your fall most likely will come from within. It certainly did with these. So let's, let's, let's look for just a little bit. Let's begin in verse number 19. The beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. Now he's talking about, <laughs> you know where they're at. They're not down in the land of the Philistines. David is lamenting over Saul and Jonathan. But where were they? They were in the high places of Israel. They were in a place that looked like, and you would think, they were in the mountains or the high places in the Mount of Gilboa. They were in a place that looked like it would be a stronghold. It looks like it would be an escape from the enemy. I, I think about this, when David fell, where was David when he fell? <laughs> Why, he was at Jerusalem. An elevated place. He was on the roof of the palace when he fell. He was not being pursued by Saul. He wasn't down in Rabbah in the fight with the enemy. But David was in an exalted place. David was in a place of beauty. David was in a place, and here is Jonathan, and here is Saul. And you know where they are? They're in the mountains of Gilboa. I tell you what we can do, folks. We can get so confident in where we're at and think that the fall's never going to come to us. We can be exalted. And I, I say this, the Bible said, the beauty of Israel. The beauty of Israel is slain. What beauty? And I believe, that is, I believe this is typology. But here is the beauty, the king and the prince of Israel have been slain. When David fell, there was the king. I mean, he was the king of Israel. He was the king of Judah. He had uh, uh, escaped Saul. God had lifted him up. And here is the beauty of Israel falling with no enemy around him. The enemy was within him. And that is where the enemy is 
that so oftentimes is the one that is going to slay me and slay you. Our enemy is within. Most of the time, it's not an outward battle that we're having, but it is an inward battle (coughs) that is going to cause the mighty to fall. The devil loves for the mighty to fall. The devil loves for the beauty of Israel to fall. The devil loves for those that are in it. Just think about these men. Think about the men that I mentioned. Solomon, David, Saul, Peter. All of these men are people that the rest of the world looks up to, don't they? I mean, you might say, well, there's nobody looking up to you. There's somebody looking up to you. There's somebody watching you. There's somebody looking at your life. There is somebody that is observing you. And I I say this, the beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. Look with me in the book of Ezekiel. And you know something? You know why you're beautiful? You know why you're beautiful? God did it. Ezekiel chapter 16, listen to what the Bible says. What does this look like in the beginning of the chapter? Why it looks like a little ugly, still in the afterbirth, still got the placenta all over it, still doesn't have the umbilical cord cut. Here is something that is disgusting Most people today, the honest to God truth, most people today, they don't want to see a calf born. They don't want to see a lamb born. Why, that's gross. Well, if that's gross, look at humanity in Ezekiel chapter 16. Disgusting. And you know what? That's the way that man is. But by the Word of God, look with me at just a few verses. The Word of God says this, I passed by thee, verse 8. Behold, the time was a time of love. Was this infant in love with the passerby? No, I tell you, the passerby looked at you. The passerby looked at you. The passerby was the Lord Jesus. The passerby was the Word of God. The passerby was the Holy Spirit. The passerby was Almighty God and saw us in our condition. And today, if you're beautiful, it's because God made you beautiful. I passed by thee, and it was a time of love. I passed by thee and spread my skirt over thee. I tell you what happened. In our ugliness, God covered us with His skirt. In our filthiness and in our sinfulness, God covered us with His skirt. Uh, When there was nobody else wanted us, when there's nobody wanted Ruth, when uh, Ruth, uh, 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 the next kinsman, the nearest kinsman, didn't want her. Uh, I'll tell you what, there was somebody that wanted her. There was somebody that loved her. There was somebody that spread his skirt over her. And that was our heavenly Boaz. And the same for you and I. We were in a place, there was nothing beautiful about us. But thank God the Lord come by and spread his skirt over us and covered up our nastiness, washed us uh, in his own blood 
blood uh, cleaned us up and put a robe of righteousness on us and made us to be beautiful. But the mighty are going to fall in spite of their beauty, in spite of their blessings of God. Listen to what the Bible says. Ezekiel chapter number 9. I washed thee with water. How are you washed? Through the water of the Word. If you're saved, if you're born again, it was through the water of the Word of God. I, I thoroughly washed thee away thy blood of thee. I anointed thee. You know what we were? We were polluted in our own blood. But He washed us through the washing of the water of the Word. Uh, 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 brought us into the family of God. I washed thee. Verse 10. I clothed thee with broidered work. I shod thee with badger skin. I girded thee with fine linen and covered thee with silk. I decked thee with ornaments and put bracelets upon thy hand and a chain about thy neck. I put a jewel on thy forehead and earrings in thy ears and a beautiful crown upon thy head. Thou wast decked with gold and silver and thy raiment was fine work and linen and silk and broidered work. Thou didst eat the fine flour and honey and oil and thou wast exceeding beautiful. The beauteous slain. Second Samuel chapter 1, the beauty is slain. And thou didst prosper in, into a kingdom, and thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty, for it was perfect through my comeliness, which I put upon thee, saith the Lord. But thou didst trust in thine own beauty, and played the harlot. Is that true? Is that true for Adam? Is that true for David? Is that true for Saul? Is that true for Samson? Is that true for Solomon? It is. How are the mighty fallen? How are the mighty... How did this happen? How could it happen that the mighty are fallen? Well... Let's, let's, let's look a little bit. The beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. How are the mighty fallen? The beauty, I ask you this, what makes you beautiful? I realize it's the Lord, but would you think with me? Would you think with me about this, that enduring is beautiful? That the enduring of the saints is a beautiful thing. That if I don't endure, you know what I'm going to do? The mighty are going to fall. If you don't endure, I tell you what it's going to be. It's going to be an ugly end. With no enduring, with no staying, you know, I believe he said in the book of James, we count them happy which endure. Look at Job. Look at Job, how they endured. And you know what he is in the end? I think he's more beautiful in the end than he was in the beginning. So I believe there's a great beauty in enduring. But know this, there's beauty also in the countenance. Our friend, if our countenance falls, you know what the Lord said to Cain? 
Cain, why is thy countenance fallen? Sin. Sin lies at the door, Cain. If you do good, if you do good, God would accept you. But if our countenance falls, you know what we've got? Instead of a face of beauty and a face of glow and a face with a with a countenance of God there, you know what we've got? We've got a face of paleness. We've got a face of guilt. We've got a face with sin all over it. We've got a face and we've lost our beauty because of the sin. But also this, I believe beautiful makes us, I friend, the presence of God makes us beautiful. I'll tell you, if the beauty is gone, if the beauty is slain, if the presence of God is out of our life, there's no beauty there in my life or your life or anybody else's life. Without the presence of God, there's no beauty. I tell you how the mighty are fallen. Just like this. Just like this. This day we're looking at that David's thinking on. Where's Saul and Jonathan? They're dead. Where were they? Back one chapter, the last chapter. Listen to what the Bible says. 1 Samuel chapter 31. They're in the battle. Saul's hit with the archers. He's wounded. Saul said in verse number 4, 1 Samuel 31, 4, Saul said to his armor, Bear, draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith. Lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when the armor-bearer saw it, that Saul was dead, he fell likewise. So Saul, contrary to what's said in chapter 1 of 2 Samuel, there's a man claimed to have killed Saul. You read that? I believe he thought this. I believe he thought if I bring the crown and I bring the bracelets, and I tell David that I've killed Saul, he'll exalt me. He didn't know the heart that David had, did he? Saul killed himself. And I believe that we could say that in many ways. How are the mighty fallen? He may have fell on his sword three days before David laments. But I tell you, that the, the beauty of Israel and how are the mighty fallen have been several, several days before this. Go with me. Go with me to uh, the 15th chapter. Go with me to First uh, Samuel chapter 15. Let's look at how the mighty are fallen. First, cham- First Samuel chapter 15, verse... Number 15. So what's the command? The command is to go out and to slay these Amalekites. That's the story. I want you to go. I want you to go, Saul. And I want you to destroy Amalek. Verse number 15. Samuel said, Saul, if you've done the will of God, 
What meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen? Now look at Saul's answer. Verse 15. They have brought from them them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. So now let's look and let's be honest. Look at Saul's answer. If there's any problem with not the complete will of God, they've done it. The people have spared. But now all of the rest of the will of God, we have done. Do you see him? Do you see that there is no responsibility taken for the wrong? Do you see that He takes credit for what's been done, but He does not take credit for that that has not been done? Do you see that Saul, Saul right here, uh, uh, blames it on somebody else? I'll tell you this, friend, the mighty are fallen. Uh, Many be the time because we do not take responsibility for our own action, for our own sin, for our own negligence, for our own unwillingness to come to the Word of God. Did Saul know what the Word of God was? Absolutely, he knew what the Word of God was. And friend, he willingly, oh, uh, uh, obstinately uh, refused to do what God said. And you know what he's going to do? Well, it must be your fault, brother. must be your fault, sister. must be your fault, brother. It must be somebody else's fault. I say this, he's a man who can slay a, a multitude of priests in one day. A friend who can give the command and the people are obedient. i tell you what the problem is. The problem is within. That's the problem. The problem's not with the people. The problem is with Saul. And our problem, many be the time, is just exactly like Saul's. We're going to do a partial obedience. Is God satisfied with partial obedience? I tell you what God said Paul was, or Saul was. He said he was stubborn and rebellious. Preacher, he didn't say that. Verse number 23 says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as the iniquity uh, as uh, is as iniquity and idolatry. So Saul is stubborn and rebellious, and he's going to blame the situation he's in. I tell you something, folks. Right here is where Saul fell. Right here in this chapter. Well, preacher, it says he fell on Mount Gilboa. He did. What you're seeing on Mount Gilboa is the manifestation of what happened right here. When you see a man and a woman fall, let me tell you, when they fell, that was not the start of it. That was the end of it. That was the manifestation of it. The manifestation of Saul's fall may have been on Mount Gilboa, but the fall was long before that. The fall was the presence of God was gone. The fall was a disobedience. The fall was partial following the will of God. The fall was no admitting that I've not done the will of God. The fall is blaming somebody else. The fall is not willingness to come to what God says. I mean, you talk about... Coming right face to face, Samuel said, Saul, 
If you've done the will of God, why do I hear all these oxen lowing and all these sheep bleeding? Had he done the will of God? Did he know the will of God? How are the mighty fallen? Right here is the picture. Listen to what Paul, Saul, Samuel said to Saul in verse number 17. Samuel said, When thou was little in thine own sight. <laughs> you reckon that's a problem with man? Do you reckon that man getting exalted, when he was little, you know what he figured? He figured he wasn't even worthy to be the king of Israel. But now he's the king of Israel and he's in a place where he feels like he's got more power than God. He's in a place where he's exalted. Samuel said, when you was little. Would it be good for me, would it be good for you to stay little? When thou was little in thine own sight, I believe, we could, I believe we could use the word humble right there. So what's the opposite of humble? Pride? Exalted? Rebellious? Stubborn? So, when thou was little in thine own... <laughs> you see, it's alright. It's alright if all the women... And all of the other men think you're some great something. You know where the fall is? When I think I'm great. When I think I'm something. When I think that I'm the one. I tell you, friend, it'll be just fine for all the servants, uh, us all servants to think He's great. But I ask you this today, what do you think about you? Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek. What did he tell him to do with Agag? So is the work finished? The work's not finished, is it? Samuel, Samuel is going to have to finish the work that Saul was sent to do. Samuel is going to take a sword and hew Agag to pieces. But Saul is not going to do it. Listen a little farther. And Samuel said unto Saul, verse number 26, I will not return with thee. Return, turn with me. Listen to what he says in verse 25. I pray thee, pardon my sin and return again with me that I may worship the Lord. Can Samuel pardon his sin? You might as well forget getting the approval of everybody else. What you need is God's approval. And there will be no approval from God until we repent. There will be no approval of God until I come to the terms that I have not followed after the will of God. There will be no approval of God. But Samuel, uh, Saul says to Samuel, turn with me that I may worship the Lord. 
Listen a little farther. Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of God. Here's the fall, folks. Right here's the fall. How have the mighty fallen? Right here. Here is the fall. This is the fall. A return, for thou hast rejected the word of God, and the Lord hath rejected thee. You know what Saul lost right here? Saul lost. God said, you're no longer going to be the king. You're no longer going to have my presence. You're no longer going to have me with you. You're no longer going to have my guidance. I'm not going with you, Saul. You've rejected my word. Therefore, I'm not going with you. Here's the fall. How are the mighty fallen? Rejected the word of God. So is a partial obedience a rejecting of the Word of God. Is it not? Look look at him. Verse 30. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now. I believe yet. I believe that's a, I believe that's a good addition. That's an addition. But look at it. I have sinned, honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. Read it. Read it with me again. Then he said, I have sinned, honor me now. Samuel, honor me. God's not going to honor me. Samuel, honor me. What's he interested in? What a lot of other folks are interested in. The perception of people. He's not interested in whether God's with him or not. He's not interested in the presence of God. What he is interested in is how people perceive him. Let me tell you this, friend. When your desire and your interest is in how people perceive you, you've got your eye on the wrong thing. What we stand in need of is the presence and the Spirit and the power of God. Uh, Saul says, I've sinned yet. I've sinned yet I'm not repenting. I've sinned yet I'm not changing my mind. I've sinned yet, Samuel. I want you to turn with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. He wasn't His God. It was Samuel's God. Read it in your Bible. Read the text there. Where I can worship the Lord thy God. What happened to Him being His God? You see, He can't be our God if we're going to act like this. How are the mighty fallen? Right here is how Saul fell. Right here. Let's go just, and I'm not going to try to cover it all again, but let's go to David. Let's go to David in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 11. What, how's the mighty going to fall here? In the high places. Here's a man in the high place. It's going to fall. Here's a man that's at Jerusalem. Here's a man that is at ease. Here is a man that... And he's going to say here in a minute that they fell in the midst of battle. That's what he says in First, Second Samuel chapter 1. They fell in the middle of the battle. I say to you and to me, the war is not over, folks. 
You need not throw in the towel. You need not get at ease. You need not lay aside your armor. You need not lay down uh, your shield. Uh, but friend, the battle is still going on and David is at ease. I believe, I, I, I think it like this, uh, that man feels like he's going to faint. I need a little break. Well, let me tell you this. When you take a little break, uh, friend, the devil will be by to destroy you and the mighty will fall. Through his lust through his desire, through what was within him, through his not being in his place, through the fact that he had left of the ark of Israel and left the battle and come to the house to take a break and to loosen his belt. I believe Joseph said that before the word faint. It means to relax. It means uh, I'll open up the belt a notch or two. David had loosened up his belt and I tell you what happened. The mighty fell. You better forget loosening your belt. You better forget that. You better remember this too. That David is well aware of what God says. David is well aware of who this woman is. And I'll tell you what he's doing. He's going against the Word of God. He's going against his own conscience. He's going against everything that he knows. He's going against everything that he's ever stood for. And today in one little afternoon, he's going to destroy everything that he's ever done. I'm not saying that Goliath wasn't killed. I'm not saying that he's not slain his ten thousands. I'm saying he brought a mark on him that will never be gotten rid of. How are the mighty fallen? Over and over it comes from within. So, listen to what the Bible says. 2 Samuel chapter 1. The beauty of Israel is slain upon the high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath. Not in the streets of Ascalon. You know what David said? Don't tell it. I believe we ought to say it like this to the church, to us as individuals. You see your brother, your sister fall? Don't run your mouth. Don't tell it to anybody. You know what David was concerned with? I tell you what's going to happen. The Philistines, the lost and the dying world, the enemies of the church of God are going to run with the news. You know what they're going to say? Do you know how Saul fell? Do you know that Jonathan was killed? Do you know that Saul committed suicide? I'll tell you, friend, Saul committed spiritual suicide. My friend, 15 chapters before we get to where he died on his store, he did it all to his own self. And you and I can do the same and you know something the lost those that have been fearful of your God those who said you know I don't know how they're doing it I don't know how he's living it I don't know how they're holding it together well, let me tell you, friend, if you're holding it together, it's because of God. But when you fall, not only are you brought down, not only are you the mighty fallen, but it's published all over Ascalon. It's published all over by the daughters of the Philistine. A friend that one of God's mighty has fallen. And Nathan said to David, you gave by this 
by this incident, by this uh, 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 circumstance, by what you've allowed right here today. Uh, David, nine months ago, I tell you what you've done, you've given the enemies of God a great reason to blaspheme. Tell you what we ought to do. We ought to be praying for one another. We ought to be praying for our brother and our sister that's falling. We ought to pray for them and we ought to keep our mouth shut and don't publish it in the, in the cities of Ascalon. Don't publish it before the unbeliever. Don't publish it. Don't tell anybody they're fallen. Pray that God would recover them. A friend that they could come and repent before it's known. Wouldn't that be better? Wouldn't that be much better? Wouldn't it be much better if God could recover them through repentance and coming to the Word of God than it be published that one of the mighty has fallen? The devil loves it when the mighty are fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ascalon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. <laughs> you know what the world wants to do? They want to say, I told you so. They want to rejoice in the fact that you fail. And the honest to God truth, there's a many of people sitting in our churches today that rejoice when somebody, possibly somebody that had more spiritual insight, Somebody that was blessed with a testimony when they fall and they didn't have one. I, I tell you most of the time what it is. It's a bunch of people sitting in the church that claim to be saved that have no witness of God. That have no compassion of God. That have not been redeemed by God. But I want you to tell this you, a mighty man, and you, mighty woman, if you fall, know this, that it will be published by the enemies, a friend, and it will be rejoiced over that you failed. Maybe you don't see that the way I want to get it across. I want to get it across like this. There's people that despise the fact that some folks have the Spirit and the power of God. They don't have it. They don't have a testimony. They don't have anything to say for God. And I, I've seen it. Somebody gets up and got something to say for God and it's got the Spirit and the power of God on, the devil will jump up. The devil will jump up and try to mimic it. But I want you to know this, when the mighty man and the mighty woman falls, that same crowd will run to the world and say, I told you so. I told you. I believe all along they weren't right. They weren't right with God. They fell. Look what they've done. They publish it. And friend, the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings for there. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away, the shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed with oil. You know, here, right here, here in the high places, 
When I read about this and I think about a high place, I thought about when Abraham took his son up on Mount Moriah. You know what he named that place? He named that place Jehovah Jireh. God sees and provides. Isn't that amazing? That in the high place, I mean in the greatest trial, you know something? You may be facing or coming soon to face one of your greatest trials in life. Know this, that that same God that provided for Abraham, that same God that He named the place Jehovah Jireh, that same God that provided and that same God that saw the need is the same God that's able to provide for you today. Don't you fall. Don't you throw away your shield. Don't you cast it away. Oh, God, help us today that we not be a mighty man that falls, but we be mighty men and mighty women who hold on to the shield. Don't cast that away. Listen to what the book says. Your mountains, high place. Your mountains. When Abraham went up, it was the highest, it was the strongest, it was the greatest trial that he ever had. And God provided. And God saw. And God knew. God knew before He ever went up there what He was going to provide. God had a ram. I don't know how old it was, but God had a lamb. God had a ram brought up the other side of the mountain, caught in the thicket, and friend, just as Abraham is about to plunge the knife into his son Isaac, God said, Abraham! For I know now that you love me and you fear me. The trial may very well be to see if we're going to stay with God. The trial may very well be to see whether we love God more or we love self more. Whether I'm going to spare my Isaac, whether I'm going to spare me, it's really, it's not my Isaac. I tell you, my friend, you may can look at it that way, but if you want to look at it as my Isaac, know this, that that Isaac come from within Abraham, okay? So if your Isaac today, and what you don't want to sacrifice, I believe you can say it like this, it's from within you. And if you love what's within you more than you love God and love His Word and believe in His provision and hold on to the faith of the Word of God, I tell you what you are, you're a mighty man or a mighty woman who is going to fall. How? How are the mighty fallen? The mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew. Let this be a... Let this be a desolate place. I'll tell you where the mighty are fallen is a desolate place. A place of death. A place, a place of, of, of defeat. A place where the devil 
glory is exalted. A place where God is shamed. A place where faith is cast aside. A place where the Word of God is cast aside. My God, I want You to look today. Help us, O oh Lord, not to exalt this place, not to beautify this place, but oh God, let us see it the way it really is. It's a desolate place. The place where the mighty are fallen is a desolate place. We're living in a world today that is going away, 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 away from God. And you know what man does and the devil does and the flesh does? Exalted and says, well, uh, even though I did this, even though I did that, look how God's blessed me. I'll tell you what you are. I friend, you're a fool. I don't think that God is going to bless you. I friend, when you oppose Him and go away from His Word, I tell you what, you may have more and more of the world and you may satisfy the flesh. And I'll tell you what will happen. You'll be a mighty man who has fallen away from the presence and the power of God. We may get our request, but it'll be leanness in the soul. David said, Lord, (coughs) don't let it rain. Don't let the dew fall. On this place. I want the world. I want you friend. I want you today church. To know this. That when the mighty fall. What an ugly awful looking place that that is. A place. A friend where there is no presence of God. No reign of his word. No presence of his spirit. No dew falling on the life. My God what a terrible place that is. Don't you blow that up and make it look pretty with the flesh and with the world. It's an ugly place. How are the mighty fallen? Look, it's right here. And I'm going to read this again. And I don't want you to get mad at me. But I'm going to... Let me just read it. For there, on Mount Gilboa, there where Saul and Jonathan fell, there the shield, there the defense, there the shield of the mighty is vilely, so that means to abhor or to loathe, is vilely cast away. The shield of Saul as though he had not been anointed with oil. That's a really bad translation addition to the text right there. It makes you think that he's talking about Saul being anointed. He's actually, the writer is talking about the shield being anointed. Read it with me again. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away. The shield of Saul... Now, he's not changed from the shield to Saul. The shield was anointed. God anointed that shield. You know what our shield is? The shield of faith. When I turn away from God, my shield of faith is no longer anointed. Let me tell you this. That on that shield, if, if you were the Roman army and you had a shield, most likely it had an eagle on the front of it. 
If you were in Saul's army, it had Saul's insignia on it. Uh, the crest of the fighting army. Uh, friend, it, it, you see our planes in World War II. You see our planes today. A big bright star. You know what that is? That's a representation of America. That's a representation of the United States of America. Uh, Saul's shield had his insignia on it. But I want you to know this, friend. Without the anointing oil of God Almighty on our shield, without the anointing oil of God on our faith, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to cast it away. You're going to cast away your shield? You're going to cast away your defense? The shield of faith shall quench the fiery darts of the wicked? Is that right? You're going to cast that away? Here's how the mighty are fallen. I'm going to cast away my faith that I said I had. My faith that I claim to have. I'm going to cast that away. I hear what's going to happen. The mighty are going to fall. The shields of Saul wildly cast away the shield, the protection, the faith. Cast away. The presence of God is gone. I no longer believe what God said. I no longer believe and have faith in the Word of God. How can that be? How can it be? I'll tell you how it can be. We believe the flesh. We believe the world. We believe we're smarter than God. We believe we know what's best for us. I'll tell you what Saul's going to do. Saul, in the previous chapter, is going to fall on his own sword. He's going to commit spiritual and natural suicide. That's the manifestation of it. It happened many chapters before. How are the mighty fallen? Verse 25. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of battle? Proverbs 24.10 Proverbs 24.10 Listen to these words. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 10 If thou faint... You know what David did? David loosened his belt. He fell. Saul loosened his belt. He fell. Saul loosened his belt and lost the presence of God. He fell. 24.10 If thou faint in the days of adversity, thy strength is small. Know this, your strength and my strength is small. We need the presence of God. Don't cast away your shield. Don't cast away faith in the Word of God. Don't cast away. Don't cast that away, but believe the Word of God. Don't cast it away. If your strength, how are the mighty fallen in the midst of battle? Let me ask you, friend. Is the, is the battle over yet? When do you think I can loosen my belt and throw away my shield? Today? That's exactly right. When I die, when I leave this world, that's when I'll lay down my, my, my shield. You, you know, you, you might see it. And maybe they mean it and maybe it's just a saying. 
You'll get my gun when you pry it out of my cold, dead hands. Well, why don't we take that as the Word of God? Why don't we take that as the shield of faith? Why don't we take that as God's presence and God's Word? And let's bring that to us. You're not going to get my faith. You're not going to take my shield. The truth is, they didn't take it. He cast it away. You know what happens? The word again means to abhor or to loathe. You know, you can get to the place that we loathe and we abhor the Word of God. (coughs) By our own desires, by our own wishes, by our own wants. Well, you know, I, I, I think God wants me to have this and God wants me to do that and I believe God wants this for me. Let me tell you this, friend. When God gives you a plain word straight up and down and black and white and tells you what He wants, you might as well lay your feelings aside. You know, I'm, I'm doing my best to endure right here. And it's service after service after service. So I'm going to ask you parents, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to make you mad, and I'm not saying it to make Darlene mad or Larry mad, but you know it is a continual distraction. I'm here to help you. I'm not here to hurt you. Can you see where I am? I'll leave if you want me to leave. I don't know how that teachers can teach in school if it's like this. I don't know how you can teach if it's like this. I don't know how I can have your attention if it's like this. I'm trying to be just... And if you, if you think I'm way out of place, I understand. But now, if you think this is the first time, it's certainly not, is it? So I'm going to try to go on, if you'll bear with me just another minute or two. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? You know something? Jonathan's going to fall as well. Jonathan is going to fall with Saul because of association because he's associated with Paul, with Saul, he's going to fall as well. He's going to go down and Jonathan is a mighty man. But by association, they were together. They were not separated even in the battle. But Jonathan is going to go down and listen just a little farther. He says to us here, Jonathan, O Jonathan, thou was slain in thy high places. Jonathan... You were slain. And you know, David loves Jonathan. He loves him and has had an affection, not, not a physical affection, but a spiritual affection with Jonathan that is greater than the love of women. 
This affection and this tie that he and Jonathan has is much greater than that love of a woman. It is a heart. It is a heart that is together. It is a heart that is on the same page. It is a heart that is seeking after and searching after the things of God. It's not a man that, that, that is up today and down tomorrow. I tell you, he loves Jonathan more. And he says our friendship, our love for one another is greater than a woman. My love for God should be greater than that of anything that this world has got to offer. So, think with me just uh, another time or two. He says this in 1 Corinthians. Wherefore, now these things happened unto them. This is 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 11. Now all these things have happened unto them for in samples that they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. What a mighty man that Peter was. You know what? I believe all the other disciples looked up to him. A man that left a very profitable fishing business to follow the Lord. A man who God revealed unto him who Jesus was. And a man that said, I'll never forsake you. You know, I'm going to look around and I'm going to say, you know, they may all forsake you, but not me. Here's a man that's got trust in himself. Here's a man that is looking at himself as though he will never fall. But the Lord said, take heed. Take heed, you that think you stand, take heed, lest you fall. But he also goes on to say this. He goes on to say, but will with, so the God, that God, but will with, the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Isn't it amazing that Peter was willing to take a sword out and cut off the high priest's ear, but he denied the Lord in front of a little maid. He thought he'd never fall, but the mighty fell. How about Demas? You know, Peter had confidence in himself, didn't he? Demas, he's mentioned in 2 Timothy, I believe. No, he's mentioned, he's mentioned in one of the epistles and also in the book of Philemon. And Paul said, come to me quickly, as quickly as you can. Everybody's forsaken me. Demas has forsaken me and has gone to Thessalonica loving the world. You know something, folks? My affection, I can be drawn away by what's on the inside of me and the mighty can fall. You may not think, well, Demas is only mentioned three times in the Bible. He was one of Paul's servants. He was one of Paul's laborers. Laboring with him. But Demas fail. The mighty fail. A man that one time walked with God, labored with Paul, labored in the work of God, and this man fell because of the draw of the world.